So. read the pod episode 31 where we always discuss the latest nebraska issues i'm stephanie and here with me today is my co-host april hey april how's it going hello i'm all right how are you doing i'm good thanks what'd you do this weekend you know elections in two weeks lit drop i know that's (laughs) yeah mostly that's what we did lots and lots are you getting in like seven thousand seven hundred thousand steps um, I don't know because I can't find the charger for my Fitbit. So <laughs> I'll tell you what I bought. Estimate if you turn I, that ordered, on. I looked up really comfortable tennis shoes and I ordered a pair and then I paid for express shipping. I'm just I was going to say you're there. probably wearing out the shoe leather. <laughs> so that's right. It's all worth it. What did you well, do this weekend? Quite a long weekend. So we social distanced at a cabin. In Illinois, and so oh. it was a lot of driving, but um, had at least one day of like sightseeing and one day of nothing. And then I drove all the way back here to be here for the pod. Oh, thank you. Yes. Well, we have yes, two you don't guests have Melody. Today. No, Melody is off at another cabin. Yeah, different cabin. Yep. Celebrating her birthday. Her birthday. Off the grid. Happy birthday. Happy birthday Happy to Melody. the hostess with the mostess. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Super. But we have two candidates today, don't we, Stephanie? I know. Who we got? Today we have Brody Weber, who is running for LD21 in our legislature. And then we also will have Krista Yoakum, who is running to be elected to a position she already serves in that she was appointed to as a county commissioner for District 2. So I'm pretty excited. We'll get to hear about some possibilities for representation in Northeast Lincoln, excuse me, Northwest Lincoln and Lancaster County. Awesome. Do we have Brody first? We have Brody first. He's here. Let's bring him in. Our guest is Brody Weber, who is running for Nebraska Legislative District 21 in Northwest Lincoln and Lancaster County. Um, we are excited to have him on. Um, my, me personally, I'm excited because he um, is running against a senator I really don't care for um, because of his love of all things NRA. And so Brody is not all things NRA, but he's much more than that. Welcome, Brody. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, thank you, April, for having me. I'm really excited to to be here. I'm I'm a big fan of the podcast. I uh, was listening, you know, to the Jane Club episode and, and the Meg Michael Eichek episode just recently. So um, I'm really happy to to be here with you guys tonight. Awesome. Um, Hi, We're excited to have you. So we have just barely started interviewing candidates. We've never done this before. We never, uh, we're just a glorified blog. But <laughs> now- <laughs> Much more than that. Much more than that. <laughs> um, so... I think it would be really interesting. You would be the first person to 
a candidate, I should say, to explain um, what a legislator does for Nebraskans mm-hmm. and how that office can improve the lives of Nebraskans. Awesome. Yeah. Um, this is something when I'm talking to voters, whether it be um, through the phone or, you know, I socially distance um, door knock. And, and the way I do that is by leaving a door hanger on the, the doorknob, stepping back and then talking to them from a six feet distance while wearing a mask. And, and this is one of the common questions I get, honestly, is, is what is um, the, the legislature and why does it matter? Um, all states have a legislature, and the way I like to equate it is um, the legislature is essentially the state version of Congress. And Nebraska is really unique for two reasons. We are the only legislature in the nation that has one house. It's the Senate, um, and, and that is why we are called the unicameral. All of the other legislatures, um, as well as Congress, is a bicameral, which is a House and a um, Senate. However, the, f- the the House of Representatives in Nebraska is often uh, individuals like the, uh, those who are listening to this podcast. Um, we, we are, the people are the very first House of the legislature, and because of that, we get Um, Every bill has a hearing and anyone who is a resident of Nebraska is able to testify on that bill, share why they support it, why they oppose it, um, or why they are neutral on it. Um, And so that first house is really important. But technically, we are a unicameral institution. So that means that we only have a Senate. And so um, state legislature and state Senate in Nebraska are commonly interchangeable. Um, That is why those who are running for state legislature in Nebraska then get the title state senator, whereas that's not always the case in other states. Um, But then also, we are supposed to be the only uh, legislature in the nation that's nonpartisan. Mm -hmm. And technically, we are nonpartisan in the fact that um, we, we don't run with our political affiliations on the ballot. And that uh, we, we have a jungle primary and the fact that if two Republicans are the top two vote getters in, in the primary, they get to advance. If the top two, if the top two vote getters are Democrats, um, they advance. Um, and it could even be the case for libertarians and independents and Green Party. Um, but more often than not, we do end up seeing a, a Republican versus a Democrat in these legislative races. Um, every now and then, though, there are some inter-party matchups like we can see in southeastern Nebraska um, or up in midtown Omaha. Um, However, what I have noticed is with the influx of money, specifically dark money in our legislative races that um, we kind of started seeing around 2014 when our governor was uh, running for his first term back then and won some allies in, in the legislature. But then also um, in 2016, when when a lot of Republican senators were primaried, um, we, we've started to see that nonpartisan nature um, that George Norris, the founder of the unicameral and nonpartisan legislature in Nebraska, um, really intended to see. And that's why I think it's really important for us to have candidates running for office that um, don't necessarily run with their political affiliation. Uh, They're still very upfront with their political ideology, but run on a platform of finding issues that we can uh, 
find common ground on and, and get the ball moving uh, rather than finding some of the most controversial issues, um, especially in election years that we can use then to point fingers at other senators, which I think we saw a lot when the legislature reconvened during its COVID, after its COVID-19 recess. Um, bringing oh my God. Controversial. Disgusting. Disgusting. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And so that's so, kind of what the legislature is. Um well, well, what I'd like to what I'd like to have you um, talk a little bit about, if you would, um, we we always say on the pod and on Seeing Red that you're the um, you're the more local the government, the more important it is to your everyday life. Absolutely. So we're in this presidential year, so that steals all of the air out of the room. Yeah. Honestly, what they do in Washington, I mean, I guess during a pandemic, they can do some pretty big stuff, but yeah. there's so much done here in yeah. our state house and our city council that really has an effect yep. on our lives. Yep. Um, how do you see yourself um, being able as a state senator mm-hmm. to improve the lives of Nebraskans? Yeah, absolutely. And this is another issue I talk a lot about is the legislature plays a huge hand in the roads that we drive on and, and the, uh, the wages that we have at the places that we work. Um, and, and, you know, something really personal to me um, is they, they have a lot to do with education in the state of Nebraska, especially mm-hmm. access to quality education, um, our, our public schools here in Nebraska. Um, and, and we have constantly seen our public education um, come under attack after attack after attack by certain senators and, and the legislature. And so I tell people, you know, it's it's the same reason that I'm running for this very position is I'm a lifelong resident of my community. I, I grew mm-hmm. up in the islands and went to Freedstrom Elementary. I was part of the first class to go all the way through Esco Middle School out in Fallbrook. Um, I graduated from Lincoln North Star in 2016. Um, and the way I was able to graduate college just this last May was I was working for our family business, which we have out in Air Park. It's a small tire warehouse company. And, and that's what I tell voters is I don't think we could have a better senator for our area than someone who's lived here, went to school here, grew up here and works here because those very issues are dealt with every single day in the state capitol uh, with our legislature. And, and that's why I think I could be an effective advocate is I think we need to make sure that we have pro public education senators um, serving our communities. Because when I'm making decisions um, that affects Northwest Lincoln and Northwest Lancaster County, specifically in regards to school funding and curriculum, those very decisions are going to impact students that are sitting in the very desks that I once sat in. And so um, the legislature, I often say, is the most powerful local form of government because it is truly influential in every aspect of our lives, Mm -hmm. uh, especially from the roads we drive on to the schools that we send our kids to, to the wages that we we have for our work. And so um, that's that's kind of the importance of the legislature here in Nebraska. What is your district like? you know, geographically and area wise, how yeah. far does it go? Yeah, and, absolutely. And, and so it's, it's one of the, about large, where you grew up. 
Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's um, one of the the largest geographical districts, um, and actually, it is the largest geographical district in Lancaster County. Hmm. Um, so my district, I I say, is Northwest Lincoln and Northwest Lancaster County. So that's the Highlands, Fallbrook, Air Park, some of the neighborhoods um, by by Lincoln North Star, as well as Malcolm, Raymond, and Davie in the rural parts of the district. And it's, it's a really interesting district, and that's why I feel so fortunate to be able to run in this district, because I, I don't think they're as diverse as, or I don't think there's a lot of Nebraska districts as diverse as mine. Um, my district is, is very split on half of it's being a rural district. The other half of it is kind of a manufacturing, hardworking district, right? A, a good chunk of the constituents that I hope to be representing come January 2021 um, work out at Kawasaki near Air Park, or they, like me, work in a warehouse out in Air Park. Um, and, and it's an honest day's worth of work. Um, and, and so, you know, there's that, that balance of a manufacturing part of an urban district versus a rural district. Um, and, you know, there are some very affluent neighborhoods that are really well uh, groomed and, and uh, maintained. And, and those are great areas to talk about. But then there are some areas that also uh, definitely need new representation because our, our current representatives don't know what it's like to walk a mile in their shoes. And because of that, their policy decisions often uh, leaves them behind. And so when I'm talking to voters, um, I often hear that they feel left out or shut out of the local political system and that I am the first person who's running to represent them in the state capitol that has come to them um, and has knocked on their door and has asked them what issues matter most to them. And truthfully, that's why I think I will be a uh, fairly uh, a fairly effective legislator in, in the capital is because some of the best policy proposals I have started off at the doors, started mm -hmm. off in a conversation where I was talking to a single mother um, who was living in the duplexes out uh, near Air Park in the Arnold Heights neighborhood, um, where she was telling me about how she saw um, her kids could, how th her, their education could improve and how their access to nutritional food, especially, um, could see a lot of improvement. I, I think about, you know, the ranchers I talk out near the county line, um, just north of Raymond there. And they, they've taught me some really interesting policy when it comes to um, agriculture, agriculture and the, the economy that follows. And so um, I think it's really unfortunate that Northwest Lincoln and Northwest Lancaster County um, has had a senator for the last four years that represents some of the people, but not all of the people of the district. Um, and it's really, it's really sad to me um, the amount of individuals that I've heard from that have never met their representative and that the only way they know who he is is the fact that he bombards their mailbox every four years when he's running for office. Um, and, and I don't believe that's what representation is. I think representation is supposed to be doing the work, the legwork of getting to know that community, the needs of that community, and figuring out how in that role, so in this instance it'd be in the legislature, how you can best meet those needs um, to, to allow those individuals to have a prosperous life. Because, you know, that's, that's, that's what we all want. 
So that's um, what I want for everybody. I, absolutely. Not yeah. just me. Amen. I want it for you and you and them. <laughs> when we all do better, we all do better. Right. Exactly. Um, I lived for 15 years of my life in mm-hmm. your district. And um, in full disclosure, I've been um, canvassing uh, for Brody because I think Brody is going to be a fantastic uh, senator in our state legislature. But I um, can tell you that walking um, some of the neighborhoods that I grew up in when I was a little girl and knowing that um, our governor and our senator the senator in that district specifically chose not to uh, take advantage of the um, additional food stamp benefits uh, for our community that every other state in the nation is taking made me so angry. Um, you know, cause I thought about what, you know, I, we were very, very poor when I was growing up and I thought about how that would have a decision like that would have impacted me then and how it's impacting these communities that don't have any representation in the legislature because their um, representative completely ignores them. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, getting messages about how um, people are voting for you because you're really listening mm-hmm. um, and, you know, you don't care about just what your best interests are, your cronies, right? You're too mm-hmm. young to have cronies. Bro. Yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> You know, um, I'd find any if I needed some. <laughs> I'll be your crony. <laughs> um, so I'm old enough. Um, anyway, so I appreciate that um, you're putting yourself out there and that you really care about those people. And I can say that from firsthand, from living in some of those areas, that those people need somebody that's going to advocate for them. Well, Absolutely, Stephanie. And and just going off of that um, emergency food assistance issue, I know with absolute certainty that our district, District 21, is going to be and is one of the hardest hit districts in Lancaster mm-hmm. County and yep. state uh, because of that refusal. And as irresponsible as it was for our senator not to support that, It's not surprising in the slightest because if you never go out to those communities, if you never put in the work at trying to understand what the what what the individuals in that community go through on a daily basis, how how can you know that it's going to negatively Mm -hmm. affect them? You know, it's when you're so absent that you don't even know that it's going to negatively affect your district. That that shows that you're unfit to to have another four years in office, and and that's the best case scenario. That's that's if there was just ignorance on how awful it would hit our district. That doesn't even take into account that maybe he was informed of the negative consequences that our district would have, and and then just didn't care because yeah. uh, of the blind loyalty to the governor. But what I will say is specifically within the air park area. There's their one grocery store from closing away from being a food desert. Mm -hmm. And that was a real issue that we had um, that that potentially could have happened um, when IGA was initially going to close its doors. Luckily, Mm -hmm. a new owner stepped in and, and were able to keep that facility out there. But where was our center on trying to prevent, um, the Arnold Heights area and the air park area from becoming a food, uh, a food desert, because then the nearest form of food would have been the super saver in Fallbrook 
which they would have to get to Fallbrook. That's that's assuming that there is always the the form of transportation to get yeah. to the Super Saver in Fallbrook, or the convenience stores that are are near the neighborhood that the prices are just astronomical mm-hmm. compared to the grocery store. Um, and so not only the the lack of or the 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 inaction on trying to prevent from a, a portion of your district becoming a food desert, but then to yeah turn down that emergency food assistance fund um, that that also helped those families. It's just, it, it continues to illustrate a total lack of empathy and leadership within our, our district. Not for long. Brody, not, not, for long. long. not for long. Not for long. I'm from here, so I'm for here. And and I think that's the that's really the the reason that I think this is going to be a competitive race is I think that's something that goes across all political affiliations mm-hmm. is that I'm from here and I'm for here. And while we may not agree on every single issue, you're gonna know where to find me to be able mm-hmm. to to talk about that issue and understand where I'm coming from. And and I'm gonna be able to learn where you're coming from so that way I can more effectively represent you down the road i have a question absolutely do you or have you ever had a mustache (laughs) (laughs) i i must confess that is my biggest scandal is i i at one point had a very thin mustache um it was mainly as a just to show people that i could yeah, so why not? It's fine. It, it, it was for uh, one month. I decided to just grow out a mustache just to kind of joke with my friends every time they would see me in why public. Not? And this is back in the, the summer of 2019. Um, so, you in know, the olden I, days. Yeah. The, yeah. Before back when we see each other. With face <laughs> to face. You know, if, if I had a mustache these days, no one would even be able to tell. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, so there was one month. Uh, it was yeah, July of 2019. I had that mustache and. Um, there was only one time I think I was photographed with with that. Jeez. So for our listeners, um, Brody's yes. opponent and the GOP party have been blasting mm-hmm. postcards with Brody, who I've never seen a photo of him with a mustache, like you said. But bro- because apparently it makes him look more sinister. Like it'll be like green lighting with like a mustache. Yeah. And some and like sinister lie. The, the Uncle man. Sam, I want you finger. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. Well, With his sinister so mustache. Well, and, and all but, those, so yeah, all those photos are from um, my 22nd birthday party that I, I had a birthday bash for a local nonprofit. So instead mm-hmm. of asking for gifts or, you know, I think like a lot of 22 year olds ask for drinks for their birthday. Um, I was asking for donations to a, for a local nonprofit. And so mm-hmm. that's the event that I was photographed with having, <laughs> having this beautiful mustache, the jokes on them. I actually loved it. it I, yeah. I only got rid of the mustache because um, it, it, it lost the hand vote between my friend group. And so you can grow it back when you get a yeah, little. You know I, what? I have, I have, I have like 124 mustaches in my trunk. So Brody, <laughs> let yeah. me know. Wait, wait. I, yeah, I, yeah. Everybody who drops lip for Brody gets a mustache, <laughs> and we were gonna do a picture, but you can't really wear a mustache and a mask at the same time. So thanks, 2020. Uh, thanks. I, I think I'm gonna. I I called it the dirty stash, and I think I'm gonna have to regrow it. Um, just so that way call it the justice stash, the justice stash. I love it because here's the thing. I'm afraid of some of my colleagues not being able to recognize me if I show in January without a mustache. Well, 
I have some for you. And here's the other thing I'm going to say real quick, Brody, your body, your choice. And I'm not going to let anybody shame you for the decisions that you made. Absolutely. And if that's all they got is one time Brody grew a stash. (laughs) And I thought it was I liked it. I liked it. So I like to get it on campaign materials. My campaign doesn't let me send it out. That's yeah, hilarious. they're like, look at, there's Brody. He wants you to have education and health care and <laughs> food. Brody. What a messing film. it all up. Mm. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, okay. I so, get that question a lot these days, April. Brody, here's the question I have for you. Okay. What would you say are the top three issues facing your district? Yeah, absolutely. I would say, you know, the number one issue I hear about is property tax relief, um, especially for young families. Um, when I'm when I'm going door to door, I, I talk to a lot of young families who are often renters um, that are not able to, uh, you know, purchase a home right now because they are in a, an extremely competitive job market. Uh, they are still paying off, you know, student loans. They maybe have one child while putting a second one on the way. Um, and, and the way that our property taxes are structured um, make it a lot harder for young families to, to be homeowners. And so I would say that's one of the number one issues. However, I don't think the answer to property tax relief is ever cutting away from education, public education. That, I mean, public education, which is the other issue I hear a lot about, is access to quality public education and investing in our education is investing in our, our future. Mm-hmm. I, I think one of the best ways for us to combat our property taxes uh, or, or how high our property taxes are is investing more in education because that will give us the workforce that we need to be able to, to get those competitive paying jobs. And so those are two of the number one issues Um, I hear a lot about. And then just one that's really specific to my district. And actually the the issue that got me to jump in this race uh, pretty late in the game, I uh, both, you know, of my opponents from the primary had been in the race uh, since the summer of 2019. Uh, I got in February 4th of 2020. And the reason I got in so late was because of this issue out in Raymond. Um, So a corporation was trying to bully their way through in our community um, at building this industrial large-scale poultry operation that was unanimously rejected by the Raymond Central School Board because it was only a mile away from the school. And Democrats, Republicans, and Independents representing six different geographical districts of the Raymond Central School District opposed it, not only because of the environmental concerns that we know arise with water and with air when it comes to these these large-scale operations, but it was a public safety issue, right? The There were parents that I met, and it's, it's what got me... Uh, work with this group as, as a grassroots organization um, was there were parents genuinely afraid of their kids driving to school with the increased traffic that that large large scale operation would have brought and and don't get me wrong I tell people I'm pro agriculture to my core but I'm not pro corporation to my core and and that's exactly what this was is it was a multinational 
or a, 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 a company that supplies to a multinational corporation, um, just trying to come through uh, to a community and bully their way through, expecting little to no opposition, and if any opposition, not being organized enough to be able to get it denied at the county level. Luckily, after the planning commission voted to approve this operation, we had three fantastic county commissioners. County Commissioner Krista Yoakum, who represents this district. Uh, our districts overlap quite a bit. But then also um, two of my other favorite uh, elected officials, County Commissioner Rick Vest and County Commissioner Sean Flowerday, uh, led the opposition and were the three deciding votes at um, denying that permit in the name of public safety. Um, that has since been repealed by the company. Um, and it's in county court waiting for an appeal. And when I found out that the families that were opposing this just to protect their their children had to raise a legal fund to be able to, to get this issue to stop once and for all, I realized there was a flaw in the system. And so the first bill I plan on introducing in the Nebraska legislature, and I'm hoping to make it my priority bill my first session, is a bill that would prohibit these large operations um, from being approved that within two miles of any school unless the local school district approves it. I think that's a common sense piece of legislation that we can all agree on. It doesn't take away um, an individual's right to, to have a permit for these kind of operations. It just, it, it just says that if the school district you know, overwhelmingly opposes it because it's against the best interests of the students of that community, then I think we need to respect those wishes and that the financial burden at stopping that should not be pushed on unexpecting families. Mm -hmm. Because it could be your family, it could be Stephanie's family, it could be my family, it could be April's family. Um, and, and, and that's just not right to, to have that um, thrust upon you. And so that's a, that's a third issue that's really important to me, and that's district specific. But I, I really that's the issue that got me to to jump in this race in 2020. Yeah, but it tells me that you're concerned about the environment and absolutely soil and air and water, and that is huge. And you you, you just can't deny it. Looking at right even well, the news every day anymore and children. Absolutely. Well, and I tell people I'm I'm the youngest person running for state legislature in the entire state of Nebraska. And the reason I'm running at 23 years old is I realize that my generation doesn't have this luxury of being able to kick the can down the road on some of these really consequential issues, the environment especially. And, and that's why the environment is, you know, a, a cornerstone of my campaign. And it's why I'm extremely proud to be endorsed by Bold Nebraska, as well as the Nebraska Sierra Club. And the Nebraska State Education Association. And the Nebraska State Education Association. And, you know, I'm proud to be endorsed by a lot of different local unions, um, including the, the Nebraska AFL-CIO and the, the Lincoln Central Labor Union. Awesome. Well, it's time for a couple of fun questions before we let you go. Awesome. Number one, what are um, like three businesses in your district that yeah. you love to support? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I think I often joke that Northwest Lincoln and Northwest Lancaster County has the best restaurants and bars and uh, places to 
um, spend your leisure time and, and the county. And so I'm, I'm obviously biased to Northwest Lincoln and Northwest Lancaster County. One of my all time favorite places to go eat um, and maybe have, you know, a, a, a beer or two is at Schilling Bridge out in Fallbrook. It's where I had my campaign kickoff. Um, and that was really important to me to have my kickoff there just because um, that is one of my favorite establishments mm-hmm. uh, in the entire district. I, I love the atmosphere. The owner is just a good guy. The staff is, is awesome. And, and on a summer night, um, eating out on the patio is just perfect. Um, and so I, I love Schilling Bridge. I, I get something different every time there, but I always get the same uh, exact appetizer, which is their um, brisket nachos are just out of this world. And so I, I of course, love that. Um, and then, you know, I, again, I'm kind of biased, but I have two favorite pizza places. So my favorite pizza place in city limits of my district is that Huskerville Pub and Pizza. And that is um, just across from our warehouse, actually, out in out in Air Park. I, I work for our family's tire warehouse company. And across the road there is the Huskerville. And they have some of the best pizza in all of Lincoln. I love Huskerville. And then the, another great spot, though, for pizza. And actually where we had all of our strategy meetings um, when I was helping, helping the grassroots community um, out in Raymond was the Davy Tavern and the Davy Tavern has I've been there literally <laughs> great things the world's best pizza i i could have it every night for dinner and so those are those are three of my um absolute favorite places but it, it's it's really tough for me to do that oh, I, I also i love down the hatch in the highlands um i love hacienda real um, I just started trying Metzli and Air Park uh, during uh, COVID nineteen, and I was extremely impressed by that. And so those those are some of my um, <laughs> favorite places. Lots and gems. All right, last one. What is your favorite candy in honor of Halloween? Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. So I have a really <laughs> bad sweet tooth. I like <laughs> since I have been growing up, it has been my, my downfall. And it's, it's something that all of my siblings, uh, and my, my parents often tease me about is that I just, I, especially, um, during campaign season, I have such a sweet tooth. So I have really tried cutting back on sugar, um, as, as a candidate. Um, I, I would say though, I absolutely love Twix. I, I don't know what it is about the Twix, but I love putting them in the freezer and then having that as a like late midnight snack. Sometimes after a, a weekend of door knocking, it's my dinner. <laughs> and so, um, but I, I absolutely love Twix. But I also, um, for ever since they've come out, one of my things, one of the candies I crave all the time are those like airhead strips, those sour airhead strips that are like mm. uh, the different colors. Oh my go- goodness. I, could eat an entire sleeve of them, which is why I specifically never have them at my apartment. I, I when I go visit my parents, because uh, my parents also live in the Highlands, which is where I live, um, and I have a 16-year-old sister, so I try to stop by at least once a week to kind of check in with them. And I, I joked with them, I was like, "You guys cannot be stocked up on those on those and Twix during a campaign season." Because I can see your next negative mailer is going to be like. 
Well, he likes candy. Which, which side of the choice does he choose? You know, that's probably going to be the... He likes airheads. Yeah, yeah. Sugar, sugar. Exactly. I, I like airheads, you know, just not always in elected office. So. <laughs> All right. Oh, Brody, thanks so much for stopping by tonight. Yes, thank yeah. you so much. I was so excited to be invited. Like I said, I am a huge fan of not only this podcast, but the activism that all of you do. Um, I, I know, you know, Melody's missing right now, but even Melody is just a, um, I, I don't curse when, when I have my candidate filter on, but you guys are just all rock star activists. <laughs> and so I'm not only just a fan of this podcast, but I am just a fan of, of all of your local activism. So I am so grateful to be able to spend an evening talking with you all. Aw, thanks, bro. Thanks. Absolutely. Well, you have a great week. Yes, you as well. I'm sure I will see you all around soon. Bye all right. Thanks, Brody. Alrighty, thank you so much. Bye. Have a rest of your evening. Well, so. thanks to Brody for that awesome interview. Uh, let's bring in Krista to talk about the county commissioner. I'm excited. Tonight we have Krista Yoakum with us, and she's running for Lancaster County Commissioner District 2. Um, she currently serves in that position, and she's looking um, to be elected. Welcome, Krista. Thanks. This is a great opportunity. I appreciate having this opportunity to talk to you all. Hi. Well, um, I need you to educate me a little bit because um, I need to know more about what does the Lancaster County Commissioner panel? What's the group called? Yeah, we are the Board of the County commission. Commissioners. We're referred to as the Lancaster County Commissioners. And that is the most often asked question is what exactly mm -hmm. do the county commissioners do? And no one really knows that unless they're on the inside a little bit, unless they are a commissioner or they report to the commissioners. So really by statute, the biggest obligation we have is, is oversight of the county budget. And even though there are other elected officials, you know, the sheriff is an elected official, the engineer is elected, the, the treasurer, the clerk, the assessor, they are all elected in their own right. But we oversee those budgets. We oversee the top number of those budgets. They report to us. Um, they re make their requests to us. And then we determine what the budget is. Now, besides those elected officials, we also oversee a lot of other things like the jail, community corrections, um, mental health services uh, in, the, in the county, things like that that don't have an elected official overseeing them. So we have appointed department directors and we also oversee those budgets. So that's the biggest thing. But I'll, I'll tell you when I'm talking to constituents, when I'm talking to voters, some of their concerns, of course, if they live rural, their concerns are always about the bridges and roads. And like I said, the county engineer really oversees that, but we have control of the top line of that budget. And so the county engineer makes those proposals about what um, her plans are um, you know, going forward, and then we allocate whatever funds we have available that we can you know, potentially allocate there. But when I start talking with voters about some of the other things, when I talk about things like the jail and the fact that, you know, we always want to make a separation. The state prison system is different. And that's the one that's been in the news for a lot of overcrowding issues, a lot of violations, that sort of thing. That is different and separate than our county jail. But the reality is our county jail is getting pretty full. It's not overcrowded at this point. 
but it's getting pretty full. And personally, it is not desirable to me at all to build another jail. Um, people might remember, recall that when this jail was built, it came before the voters to pass a bond issue and the voters denied it. The voters did not want a bond issue. That county commission at that time built it anyway. Mm. And as we are looking at the number of people incarcerated, the number of people that are now separated from families, now unable to be in the workforce, and what those violations that they might be serving time for, I am much more, um, much more enthused about putting efforts into community corrections where people might need to be held accountable, but yet they're in programs that would really kind of change behaviors, right? Um, and keep them in the workforce. And if have supportive family, keep them with supportive family, um, keep them with someone that they're accountable to who is supportive. Uh, to me, that's a much better way to go than just incarcerating people. How long ago was that jail built? It hasn't been around 20 years. I should know exactly, but I want to say around 20 years ago. Yeah. And there are some really good things about the jail. I know that, I mean, <laughs> it's still a jail, but <laughs> I know that at this last legislative session, there was a bill that Senator Michaela Kavanaugh brought forward that had to do with women who are incarcerated and, and their availability to their children or having their children with them. And she was really talking about more long-term incarceration that would be more like our state prison system. But in investigating that and seeing how that would affect us at the county level and what that might be as far as uh, what it might, what the cost of it might be or what the ability to, for us to do that was, I talked with our jail director about um, breastfeeding moms and how they can accommodate that, right? Mm -hmm. And we already allow, uh, we already have breast pumps and allow for moms to express their milk and allow for somebody to come pick it up if that's what they want or keep it refrigerated or frozen until such time that somebody can or at least, uh, you know, allow that mom to, to uh, you know, pump and dump so that she's available to her baby when she's out. And so mm -hmm. there are some good things, but we can always be better, right? <laughs> can you talk to us about what your district looks like? Um, I know sure. it's much larger than a legislative district. Well, some of them. Yeah, yeah. So it's it this this district really starts downtown and goes north to the county border and west to the county border, and then dips down a little in this um, western side of the district down to around like from Eighth Street to about the Coddington area and down to Van Dorn. So it is geographically, it's it's pretty big. Um, it has some urban, which are the Haymarket area, you know, certainly some urban dwellings. Um, it has some which might be considered a little more um, suburban with um, that that a, Coddington and A area, with the Capitol Beach area, with the Highlands, Fallbrook. Um, it, cont it contains Ar the Arnold Heights area and all of the new building around that in that area. Um, and then the rural areas of Malcolm, Raymond, um, Agnew. Yeah, so it's pretty vast. That must make it difficult to run to get yourself, your name out there and things when it's so big. Well, it is. And, and you know, the biggest challenge, I think, is this uh, campaigning in a pandemic, right? Mm -hmm. um, of course. Typically, we would have been, I would have been knocking all these doors since, uh, you know, March and April and uh, meeting people in person. And that really got away from us. And that, to me, that is the biggest challenge of this race. I feel like um, 
you know, I, we've got a good handle on what we need to do as far as, you know, I think our messages have been good. Our Mm -hmm. messages have been true to who I am. Um, I think we have a really good plan on how to reach the voters by phone, by um, no contact canvassing. Uh, We've got targeted social media so that people can become familiar with me. But I think the biggest challenge is that we made a conscious decision not to knock doors. I don't want to freak people out by coming to their door and invading their private space where they feel safe. Um, And, and, it just wasn't the right thing to do, especially now as our numbers are going up in the county. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I will say that these kinds of opportunities where I feel like I'm talking to people and voters a little bit, um, Facebook lives that we've done. And then I've been making a ton of calls. I've called thousands of voters. And to me, those feel a little bit more like a real campaign when I'm able to have mm-hmm. some give and take, some interaction with uh, constituents where they're able to ask me questions. To me, that feels a little bit more like a camp- real campaign. Well, and that gives you a good opportunity to get some input from um, from the voters and the community members that you want to serve and do so. Absolutely, now. Stephanie. And I think that's the, one of the most important things. We can't make decisions in a void. Um, if we're not talking to the people that we're representing, we're not making good decisions. Absolutely. What do you think you bring to the table as a candidate? So I have a background in, (laughs) I mean, first off, I've lived in this district almost all of my adult life, right? So I know this district pretty well. It's really fun when I call voters and I say, oh, I used to live down the street from where you are, or I'm your neighbor. You know, I live just a few blocks over. Um, That's, that feels really good. It feels like, you know, we're all part of the community. But, but overall, I think it's the background that I have, you know, my work experiences, my community experiences. I worked in healthcare for over 30 years and, and mostly in long-term care. And in that, I met a lot of people having a lot of really making really hard decisions about their spouse, their parents' care. Um, I did, you know, some hospice cases and things where people had to make decisions about end-of-life care. Mm-hmm. And having those interactions, I think, has posed me well to have these conversations with my constituents and be able to really listen so that what the end result is is less about what I had a preconceived idea about and more about what they really want or need. And then I've worked as a community organizer for more than a decade now. And in that Mm -hmm. role, again, it is, it's not implementing what my first thoughts are. It's really implementing or helping um, community members implement what they want. And Mm -hmm. so I think those things are things that really make me um, really posed well to serve the constituents of Northwest Lancaster County. And I, I know that one of the things I get from constituents a lot is I can't believe you called me back. I can't believe you returned that email. Mm -hmm. I can't believe that you agreed to take this meeting with us. Well, in my opinion, that's what elected officials are supposed to do, right? That makes us better as elected officials. And, you know, the reality is sometimes we're privy to information that maybe the general public doesn't have, um, you know, that sort of thing that might also be an influence in the decision making. But I definitely want to listen to my constituents. And I, and I think I bring, you know, a lot of uh, experience and already having done that sort of thing. What are your key issues going into this? race, you know, the key things that you want to work on to improve lives in your district? Yeah. 
Yeah, that's a really good question. I mean, you know, like I said, our main responsibility is that budget. And while that's crucially important, it's not terribly sexy or fun, right? <laughs> and things that really drive me, I mean, you know, I've long been a proponent of we've got to take care of the resources that we have, right? Mm -hmm. uh, we have a limited amount of resources. We got to take care of the water, the land, the air. Um, you know, and I know that some of you might be familiar that I'd run for a public service commission two years ago, and that was really largely for a couple of reasons. One was to stop the Keystone XL pipeline, and the second was to really expand rural broadband because I know that that's a huge deficit. If we want to grow local economies, economies across the state, people have to have that connectivity, mm -hmm. and if you want to recruit a great high school teacher to your high school, for, for example and their spouse can work from anywhere, they have to have connectivity to do that. People that wanna get continuing education, et cetera, or grow their small business need that connectivity. So um, I wanna, so that's, that's one thing that I would like to champion going forward here. And we've certainly seen what a crisis that is during this pandemic where we've got students and teachers that neither one can necessarily connect, um, especially in our rural communities. But going back to the environment and fighting the KXL pipeline, you know, my I had worked on a gubernatorial campaign, and we were the campaign that found out that uh, the then governor and attorney general had taken uh, TransCanada KXL money into their campaign accounts. And at that time, there was no U.S. office, so it was clearly international money and clearly illegal. And we exposed that. And, and ever since then, I have been certainly in that fight. Now, we... I'm, on the county commission in this moment, we're not looking at a pipeline like that. But for example, I was the one that was able to make the motion to deny the large uh, corporate uh, chicken feeding operation in mm -hmm. Northwest Lancaster County because there wasn't sufficient water to run that, that operation. But secondly, it would have compromised the neighbor's water and potentially the water of the school there, the contamination. And you can talk about the inhumanity of raising chickens in that way and a lot of other things that are issues. But we had a narrow scope on the county commission as to what we could make our decision on. And it really mm -hmm. came down to believing the scientists, believing the hydrologists and what water was available there. Um, and it wasn't the right business and it wasn't the right location. And we were able to deny that. We recently passed uh, what we call a text amendment. We don't get to write ordinances or laws. And um, so that we can allow solar solar farms in Lancaster County. Mm. There was no provision for that previously. Mm -hmm. um, and so things like that are hugely important to me. I also, I serve on the Mental Health uh, Crisis Center um, Committee, and that's where we look at how we can divert people out of the jail. You know, we know a lot of people with a mental health crisis, their first intervention is with, their first encounters with law enforcement, right? Mm -hmm. But um, jail is not the right place for someone who's in a mental health crisis. And so we've been able to improve the identification of those people. We've uh, contracted with somebody that's available 24-7 and they'll help do those um, evaluations and get, let's, and get people out of the jail and into the mental health crisis center where then some decisions, you know, they get treatment and then some decisions are made about a discharge plan that's appropriate or more a more long-term care situation um, for a period of time if that's what they need. Mm -hmm. And uh, so things like that are hugely important to me. The county commission, we also um, 
we allocate funds to a lot of nonprofits here in the county, and that's where I have a huge amount of experiences in nonprofits. And so some of those are things in working with high-risk youth, right? Uh, some of those are programming for our new Americans, our immigrant and refugee populations, where I've spent uh, quite a few years working as well. And so I think those are areas where I can add value, but those are also areas that are really important to me. Yep. I think those are really important to the community. Yeah, I think so too. And and it's it's hard to say, oh yeah, we're, we have oversight of the budget. Well, that's awfully dry. But when we start talking about these things that affect people's everyday lives, it becomes a lot more important. Um, the county commission is, is hugely important. I have a question just for our listeners. There are how many members on the county commission? Yeah, that's a great question. So there are five members on the county commission. Mm-hmm. Currently, we are three women and two men, uh, three Democrats and two Republicans, which is um, a very interesting mix. And we bring different life experiences to the table. But we cannot act individually. We have to act together as, as one board, mm-hmm. um, you know, similar to the city council and similar, similar to the school board. And so that makes for some challenges sometimes, right? We don't see things eye to eye. Um, the board currently is pretty good about um, talking things out with each other before we come into the boardroom to make a decision um, mm-hmm. and consider it a of each other's uh, feelings. And we usually know if somebody's going to uh, not vote with us and, and we know that ahead of time and, and have been able to have some good conversations around that. I do appreciate how it appears that the county board is a little more collaborative than um, some of the other um, institutions that we have governing. Us. I would say we're more collaborative than the county board was 10 years ago, tw- 20 years ago, 30 years ago. Absolutely. This is a different board. Mm-hmm. You're absolutely right. And, you know, another thing about county government is the transparency is right there. Mm-hmm. Our budget is on the website and anybody can go out and watch it and they can look, they can hone down to the very finite details of each department budgets. And all of our meetings have to be open meetings and um, no more than, than two of us can talk to each other at a time right. or we're violating that. And we take that very, very seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, so you pretty much see everything we do played out on, um, you know, my city TV, uh, YouTube, wherever we broadcast. Absolutely. Appreciate that it's accessible. Okay. Chris, we're going to get to the fun part of the interview. Are you ready? This is too hard, Stephanie, making okay. me choose okay, a favorite so, restaurant. No, it's not a restaurant. So, so one thing that I think we want to help, uh, there are great places that are locally owned across our state and all of our communities. And some of us might not have heard about um, a neat place that we might want to patronize. So maybe what are some of your favorite places to patronize that are in your district? So I'm going to have to tell you, clearly, (laughs) (laughs) oh, that's, that's good. Yeah, that's a good point. So clearly the Haymarket is in my district and Mm -hmm. we have many locally owned businesses in the Haymarket. And my husband and I spend, we, not since the, not since the pandemic as much, but previously we'd spent a whole lot of time. We would just, I mean, I worked downtown and we would just be downtown until nine, 10 o'clock at night. Um, and those are still some of our mm-hmm. favorite takeout restaurants right now or sitting on the patio. But, you know, Granny Weaves is in my district out in the air park area. And mm. um, I'm so glad to have them there. Actually, Friday night we had dinner from Granny Weaves. I went out and put out a yard sign in that area and picked up takeout from there. And, and um, 
I saw the that food sign was, today. Uh, <laughs> yeah. The food was so good and such an abundant quantity that I couldn't eat it all. So I still have a piece of chicken in my refrigerator. And I actually had the sweet potato pie for breakfast Saturday morning. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, and then I like the Branch Oak Marina. I mean, you know, you want to go out and spend some, spend some time outdoors. And they were able to do some outdoor concerts this summer. And that was, that was a ton of fun because it felt a little bit like normal life. You know, we're sitting outdoors, uh, you know, wearing a mask, taking it off to have a beer. And then I got to give a plug for Zipline Brewery, which is just down the street from me. And mm-hmm. um, we've, I've certainly enjoyed them through this pandemic time. We I've been a patron anyway, but they did some really cool things like the uh, fundraiser they did to support Lincoln Calling. And so throughout the month of September, every Friday, I had a case of beer from Zipline delivered to the house. We had about a dozen friends over to the house, and then they sent a band over. And, uh, you know, so there's a there's a lot going on in this district. This is the best district. I'm just saying. <laughs> well, thank you for coming. I learned a lot about the county commission that I did not know. Yeah, me too. <laughs> You've got my vote. Well, thank you. <laughs> Every you vote counts. Um, okay, Krista, tell us what your favorite candy is before you take off. Oh. It's well, it's, it's a toss up here between, you know, Reese's peanut butter cups are high up there and especially when we're going into Halloween season and those have to be in the Halloween bucket. But, you know, I like a good dark chocolate. I like, you know, Dove's dark chocolates. There's a lot of other dark chocolates that I enjoy. So, yeah, that's where I'm at. Don't waste my don't waste my sugar calories on something that's sweet and fruity or sour and fruity. Yeah, go for let's go for chocolate. <laughs> Krista, thanks so much for coming out tonight and chatting with us. Thank you for having me. And and thank you for um, dealing with my technological difficulties at the beginning of this. No worries. You're fine. Thanks. Take care. You too. You've been listening to Seeing Red Nebraska, Politics from the Left. Seeing Red is a group blog edited by citizen volunteers and entirely devoted to Nebraska politics. You can support us on Patreon with a $5, $10, or $20 a month donation. Be sure to check us out at seeingrednebraska.com and on Facebook and Instagram. You can also follow us on Twitter at seeingredne or contact us via email at seeingredne at protonmail.com.